They'd heard that Lyft was going to be you know, going public. They'd heard that uh, Uber was going to be going public. And they're like, you know, I know somebody's buying stock in this thing. And I said, yeah, they just did their IPO. What does that mean? What does that stand for? Well, it is their initial public offering. It is the first time that they've ever opened up shares or ownership of their company to the public. Welcome to Getting Money Right, a show dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through education and inspiration so you can be free to pursue your true life purpose. We are your hosts, Leo Sabo and David Thompson. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about something that's been in the news lately, and that's IPOs, Initial Public Offerings. This is a topic that most people probably think, oh, that doesn't really matter much to me. But I think it does. It, it matters to all of us because it has to do with investing. So we want to unpack what this IPO is all about. And we'll use some examples of a recent company that has gone through the IPO process. And uh, hopefully you'll be educated and maybe this will help with your own finance because I think it does play into our investment strategy. So David, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, well, this came really from a conversation that I had with someone the other day, and they were talking about, you know, how cool it is that there's all these companies coming up and going through their initial public offering. And I said, oh, yeah, you know, they're going through an IPO. And the actual first question was, wait, I said IPO, like, what's an IPO? And they'd heard that Lyft was going to be you know, going public. They'd heard that uh, Uber was going to be going public. And they're like, you know, I know somebody's buying stock in this thing. And I said, yeah, they just did their IPO. What does that mean? What does that stand for? Well, it is their initial public offering. It is the first time that they've ever opened up shares or ownership of their company to the public. And, and so you could not, most likely, you personally could not buy a share of Lyft before they launched just last week with their IPO. Now, what happens is you have a, a founder and a creator of a company and they create an idea and they build the company and it's making money and it's growing. And all of a sudden they think, wow, I could uh, invite another person to invest some money into this company so I can grow it faster. I could buy another building. I could uh, buy more supplies and sell more. I could buy more infrastructure and software to help the company grow. And so they talk to somebody. It'd be like if Leo and I got together and we talked about this in episode 11 and 12 and 13 with investing. And, and I said, Hey, Leo, I've got this snow cone stand and it's going really well. And if you lend me $10,000, uh, instead of actually just being a borrowing and lending relationship, I'll actually let you buy part of ownership of this company. Mm -hmm. And we'll use your 10,000 to build another snow cone stand. And now all of a sudden we'll be growing this company over time. Well, that was more personal. That's a private investor. I talked to Leo privately and I said, Hey, do you want to buy into this company? Well, over time, the companies grow, more private investors become interested, and they will put in, you know, a million dollars, $10 million, $500 million, because the company grows to a certain size where it needs billions of dollars to grow and expand mm -hmm. at the level that it wants. It says, hey, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to now offer to the public 
The company is well known enough that the public would be interested to buy a share or a little piece of ownership of that company. And so they say, we're going to do our initial public offering. And in order to do that, they run all their financials and all their paperwork, A, through the Security Exchange Commission, the SEC. Um, the Securities and Exchange Commission makes sure that things are legally and done correctly and appropriately. But then they also run it through internal and external auditors to look at all their information and say, we think that the company is valued at a certain amount and you should sell each share for a certain dollar amount. Right. And then they go out into the public and they say, okay, public, based on the SEC, you know, everything being legally done and then everything being run by the auditors, we believe that you should buy our company for $75 for a little tiny piece of this company. And you actually get ownership. You actually own a little part of that company uh, and people look at it and they say, hey, I think that company is going to do well over time. So they buy that piece of paper, that piece of ownership. And over time, the company grows and maybe the value of that piece of paper goes up or maybe the company doesn't grow and it goes down. And so what they're going is they're going to the community and saying, will you buy our stock? Now, let's say that I'm trying to think of when Facebook launched. Facebook launched and I don't remember the exact number, but let's say it was somewhere around $30. That day, they said, hey, we believe it's worth 30. Mm -hmm. But immediately, people started buying it, and they say, hey, I'll buy your share for 30, and I'll buy your share for 30. And so at, there's a bidding war going up on the stock. And so it went up dramatically that first day because everybody wanted some. Right. But then they began to look at the finances and look at, okay, hey, we actually noticed that Facebook hasn't made any money yet as a company. And some of these IPOs that we'll be talking about today, they've never actually earned a profit. Right. They may sell millions or even in some cases billions Brilliant. of dollars yep. of, of services, but they've never actually made a profit from that because they have to pay and they have high expenses and all these other issues. Mm -hmm. And so, so when people looked at that, even with Facebook going back in the day, they looked at it and said, okay, I can't believe I just spent $40 for something that last week was only worth $30. And they began to say, I don't know that I trust this. And they began to sell and it dropped down below what the initial public offering was. And I don't remember the exact numbers, but somewhere around like 20 to 23, $24 a share. Yeah. But then as Facebook continued to grow and expand, everybody saw the value and now it's well over $100 a share. So if you bought in at 30, you've tripled your money. Yeah. And all you did was own a little piece of this company. And that was just a couple of years ago. So this is really interesting to see these IPOs. Now, that's where you get into this, you know, greedy mentality of, hey, well, you know, I didn't do any work. And yet I just saw my money triple. And so I'm going to assume that now every tech company is going to triple in value over the next couple of years. Or any other type of company. Or any type of company. So there's always going to be risks when you look at what is called an initial public offering because they're they're taking what the auditors have said and said hey we think this is the value of our company mm -hmm. but you're buying it and if they do well and management grows and it works great awesome you know everybody benefits but if they don't manage it well you can lose all that money and i have actually bought individual stocks in a company that went out of business mm -hmm. and so everything that i had bought all my shares were no longer worth anything right and so this is where you have to be very cautious. This is not, in my opinion, typically the best way for people to invest mm -hmm. uh, for long-term growth in their retirement and in uh, their personal portfolio. It is, in my opinion, kind of a fun way if you have some extra money or you want to take 10% of your overall portfolio 
and and be involved in some of these companies that are growing and expanding and do some research. I think that it can be fun, but I think you have to be careful because you can get very easily caught up in the in the excitement of, oh, this company just went public and I want to buy it right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it turns out some of them haven't even even made a single dollar yet. Well, that, that reminds me, back in 1999, you know, the tech bubble happened just after that. And if I remember correctly, and this has been 20 years now, it's hard to believe it's been 20 years, but 20 years ago, we were kind of at the same place. There were a lot of companies, a lot of tech companies coming on board that were losing money, millions of dollars per year that were coming in and they were valued. I remember the typical Newsweek or Forbes magazine headlines or front cover was about somebody who just became a billionaire uh, because they did an IPO, an initial public offering, and their company was worth now you know, $20 billion. And they, of course, were majority uh, stockholder at the time. So if you think about these kind of things, it's, it's something that's happened before. I think that the, the reason it's important for us to understand it, and I do believe it's a good idea to start looking at doing something like this, not on a large scale, and certainly no more than 10% of your uh, investment uh, portfolio should go to something like this. But I think it's good, even if you decide not to put any money into it, but to begin to follow some of these IPOs, follow some of these companies. What's interesting about what's happened this past week, uh, Lyft, uh, which is a sister company, not related, obviously, but the same as Uber, much smaller in uh, market share, but yet still a very, very strong company. Yeah, you have these transportation network companies yeah. that provide transportation with yeah, people ride sharing and connecting that they've never met, and yet they're able to pick somebody up and help them get to somewhere. It's kind of cool. It's it's awesome. What I've what we've all experienced and noticed in the industry, well, in the marketplace uh, in the last few years, is all the disruption that's happened in different industries. You have the hotel industry that was disrupted by Airbnb, and then you, of course you have. Lyft and Uber that has disrupted the public transportation and the ride-sharing type of uh, business. So it's interesting to me because people are um, creating different ways to do things that we used to do a very specific way. And when it becomes uh, accepted by the society, like Uber and Lyft have become, and it's likely that it's going to continue to grow in some way. Now, nobody knows how much it'll grow. Nobody knows the pace that it'll grow. But both of these companies have lost money for many, many years. Lyft has, like you said, never really made any profit. In fact, just before this IPO in 2018, they lost $911 million. Yeah. Right? Uh, Before their IPO, they raised $2 billion through different venture capitalists and private investors. So even GM has actually put in $500 million into Lyft. Wow. So it's pretty serious. I mean, there are people who are investing a lot of money, a lot of company, a lot of venture capitals going to these companies because they believe that there is worth and potential profit coming from this. Otherwise, they wouldn't put their money on them. Right. So what's interesting, though, this past week, obviously, since the IPO came in, they they initially Lyft uh, started at $72, was offered at $72 per share. And then, of course, it jumped up at like 9% to, I don't know mm-hmm. what it was, it was somewhere on 70, high 70s. And then it went back down, uh, lost 5% the next day. And it's interesting, just today I was reading several articles, pro and con, to this IPO. Some of them will say, it's too early, it's you know it's it's going to go down, it was overpriced. Others will say, we, we haven't even begun yet, this thing is going to take off. And honestly, nobody really knows. You look at the factors, you look at what's going on, and you say, sure, there's a good chance that these companies will continue to grow because the demand for this kind of transportation will continue to grow. 
Um, but nobody really knows. Somebody can come up with a different idea that's a lot less expensive, right. more convenient for the user, and it could completely put Uber and Lyft out of business. Yeah. We don't know. Right. But that's the that's the interesting thing. Nobody knew Amazon was actually going to become more than just a book sharing or book yeah. buying yeah. company. Uh, nobody had a vision for that. Everybody thought Amazon, books. But now it's everything, <laughs> literally everything. Um, so what's interesting to me is that when I look at these kind of things, I love to read the information and see the debate because through the debate, what I'm finding out is information that helps me to be a, a much more informed investor. Yeah. I can understand how companies think about both borrowing money, but also when they come to the point where they look at how much money I'm actually going to, what kind of profit are they going to make in order to make the investor profitable because the investor needs to be profitable, right? These IPOs only start to get you and I involved in this company, but if we don't make money through this company, we'll take our money off the table. We'll Absolutely. go somewhere else. And so a company, that they don't just do it for the initial cash infusion in order to grow their company. They do it with the preference and with the idea of being profitable long-term. And that's something that you and I need to think about because Again, we may not invest, we should not invest all of our money on one stock, but talk to someone who invested in Amazon 20 years ago, and, and a $5,000 investment is close to $2 million today That's based crazy. on the valuation. So, right. so it is possible for people to become very wealthy by investing in the right company, and it yep. doesn't even need to be a lot of money. Right. So, right. so I think that's why we wanted to talk about this today, because it's not just about Lyft or, or specific IPO. It's about this process uh, and about understanding how the market works and how companies work. Because even if you invest in a mutual fund, if you don't understand how these individual companies do, then how will you know how to pick a good mutual fund? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And and this is what's really cool about IPOs is that it, it creates a lot of interest and a lot of discussion and a lot of fun topics. But at the same time, put this in the overall scope of your budget and of your financial plan. I think about this, even if you had told me, hey, you know, if you invest $5,000 in Amazon, you know, it so many years from now, 20 something years from now, it'll be worth 2 million. So yeah, if you knew that was going to happen, awesome. But at the time, you look at this online book company, and you may put in $100 to buy one or two shares. But are you going to actually invest 5000 And how much is 5000 5000 well, if your overall retirement portfolio is 50,000, okay, that's 10%. Yeah. You know, if your overall retirement portfolio is, you know, 100,000, 500,000 and you're playing with some money and you have 5 grand to put into one of these great, but just putting it into one because guess what? Amazon wasn't the only company back then. Right that was trying to do this business. And so that's what's fun about this is that um, it's fun, but it's still not necessarily the the long-term solution. What we would recommend long-term is that you get into something that's well-diversified, like a mutual fund that has a hundred of these top companies in it. Uh, but with the play money, it's fun to look at this. And I'm not afraid to, to do that even personally a little bit and say, hey, I've got some extra money. Why not buy one of these pieces of stock? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I went through the same thing uh not last year, but the year before, as cryptocurrencies were really starting to become a thing. And I thought about it, and I thought, okay, there's validity to what's what, what this cryptocurrency is all about. So I started studying it, started looking into Bitcoin, and really reading all about it, trying to understand what this thing was about, because I had no idea what it was, honestly. Uh, and it's not easy to explain either. I mean, it is very complicated in some, some ways. But as I started reading about it and understanding how the mining process goes, what what it's intended for, what it's supposed to do, 
uh, how it could be a new type of currency should uh, other type of currencies like the dollar fail. And I, and I saw some validity and I thought, okay, if I were to invest something, what would I invest? How much would I invest? How much would I want to buy? You know, because one share at the time was like ten thousand dollars or right, something like right. that, or, or actually it was above that. So I thought, okay, if I were to do that, how much would I want to invest? How much do I have on hand that I could stand to lose? So I decided to buy it. Now, after I bought it, it took a big dive, right? But I didn't buy it in order to to buy it and then sell it five minutes later or right. or a month later. Right. I bought it long term because I thought this could be, but it was a very small portion of my portfolio. It, right. It was money I know I could lose. And it hasn't changed my life in any way. Right. And it, but may, it, has, and it may return it, and double it, and double it, again it in may. the future. You it don't may. know, right? Now, some people say that's BS. No way. It's never going to work. Others will, are, will swear on it. So what's important, though, is that you understand that the process of go, that you're going through makes you more educated about investing. And for me to take the time to read all about it, understand the history of it, how it came about, what where it's going, why it's valuable to some – uh, why some people talk about it in a negative light. Yeah, That's important too, because they make some very good points that you need to consider, right? You think about any stock that you want to buy. If you go to that company or if you go to somewhere where you can buy it, they want to sell it to you. So they're going to tell you all the positive things about it, what the uh, potential upside is. But you need to understand the downside. Yeah, And where are you going to get that? Well, you're going to get it from the critics. So that's why it's so, so important. when you Even when you look at this, this latest IPO with Lyft, that's why I'm reading both the positive articles and also the negative, because I'm looking at both sides of this and saying, who's who's making sense? Who's telling me something that's going to help me decide? Do I buy some stock or do I like pass on? It, it really all depends on whether I understand what's going on and whether I believe this is going to go in the right direction. And like David said, it's not the best way to invest and certainly don't put all your eggs in one basket. You said about you know the ability to maybe if you had a $50,000 you know, amount that you're investing and this is only 5,000 20 years ago. But what if you only had 10,000? Would you put 50% of it in it? Right. It would have been right. much harder for someone to believe in it that much when you don't have all the information because right. nobody knows the future. So this is why it's important to keep it in check. Don't let greed get in the way, but understand that there are possibilities here. There are potentials. And then also let's go to the next level, not just from the IPO, but other companies that it may be started in the last five, three, one, one or two years. There are companies out there right now that are still trying to establish themselves. They've built up a certain amount of uh, equity. They are now putting some systems in place. They're starting to become profitable. Yeah. Maybe this is the right time. You've been watching them or you should be watching them. And you're like, okay, I think it's, I think it's going to work. So yeah, you might buy higher than you would have a year or two years ago, but it still may have a, a potential upside. So it's a it's an interesting thing, and I think it should be something that we should know more about and get involved in. But again, keeping everything in check and making sure we're be careful not to put all of our investment money into that. Yeah, when I look at something like this, I say, hey, you know, I could put this seventy five dollars into a savings account that, and I'm just looking at some some local money that I have just on the side. Like I could put seventy five dollars over here, or I could put seventy five dollars into this one piece of stock and own a little piece of this. If it goes away tomorrow, it's not the end of the world. If it doubles, 
it's neat, but it only, you know, increased $75. So it didn't change my life completely. So then it's like, okay, how much do I want to put in and how much can I afford to and always make sure that it's balanced. So as you look at some of these initial public offerings uh, this year, we don't know exactly who will go through the process, but we have a, f a good idea of people that are planning it. You've got Uber, uh, again, a competitor with Lyft, uh, Palantir, which is a huge data mining company that does big data uh, and managing big data, which is a huge market and industry, uh, Airbnb. Uh, almost everybody that I know has stayed in Airbnb at this point. Mm -hmm. um, and just local hospitality through an online market. That's kind of cool. Pinterest, Rackspace, which provides some computer um, soft, or computer hardware places where people can put their servers and things like that. And they've expanded Slack, which is an office communication tool. Robinhood, which lets you buy and sell stocks online for free um, through an app. Levi Strauss, obviously you've got jeans. Uh, Cloudflare. So all of these different companies are going public, potentially going public this year. And, and you're going to be hearing a lot about it. And Leo and I would both just say that you never want to move forward and make a purchase unless you fully understand the company and the risks and understand what uh, understand the investment principles around it. And one of those investment principles is that this would not be your main portfolio. This would be a small grouping of money uh, that's for fun on the side. So one thing that's come up a lot recently is that when you buy uh, a share or a part of equity or a stock in a company, all those are three, three ways of saying the same thing, share, stock, equity. When you buy a stock, you actually get a vote when that company does their annual meeting or comes together to make decisions because you're a part owner. If we go right back to the very beginning example of Leo and I working on a company together, uh, let's say that we opened up a second snow cone stand and he owns 50% of the company. I own 50% of the company. Well, he gets a vote. He gets to say, hey, this is this matters to me uh, that we build this snow cone stand in this city instead of this city. And we're going to have a conversation. Well, when you buy stock, you're buying ownership and you get a vote. Uh, now, what's been really interesting is that with some of these big technology firms, they've actually changed up the structure where they'll have two different kinds of stock. Mm -hmm. One would be a class A and one would be a class B share. And so these two different types of shares have different voting rights. Uh, you might have something where like the class B share, that secondary share, has no voting rights at all. Or maybe they have um, 10 times the voting power of somebody with a class A share. So this is something that's come up really big in the news recently because you'll have companies that are saying, hey, we'll give you a little bit of ownership. But the shares that we own, that the founders own, their shares count 10 times as much when it comes to voting as this public share that you have. And I, I think that's kind of interesting. It'll be fun to see what the marketplace as a whole does with this kind of a, from an economic perspective. Uh, individuals are going to want the right to vote because you don't want the company doing something that is going to cause you to lose your money. On the flip side, you also want to give extra voting power and strength to the founders and the creators because they're the ones that built this thing. You want to make sure their creative genius stays in the company and continues to grow it. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be a unique balance. Uh, the, the market, the people that are buying these shares are always going to want some kind of vote, but it also does make sense to give the experts a little bit stronger vote. And, and you don't want to necessarily see that person get kicked out of the company just because um, they made a decision that's not popular 
but maybe they were thinking ahead of the curve. It'll be, it'll be really interesting to see what happens with this. Uh, I think that when Google went public, it issued Class B shares that didn't have any voting rights, and that made it so that the founders and executives still had complete control of the company. Uh, nowadays, uh, Google runs their name as Alphabet. That's the, the company, the parent company. And it's changed up the structure to where um, some votes have a lot strong or some class shares have a lot stronger voting power. And it'll be fun to see what happens in the upcoming years. So another question that came up when I was talking to my friend is that he asked, uh, you know, what does it look like when they split the stock? Mm -hmm. And so let's say that you have some founders who've created a company and they valued it originally at $500 a share, but that company has grown and doubled to a thousand and then doubled again where each share is two thousand and then doubled again to where it's four thousand, doubled again where it's eight thousand. I mean you have these companies that grow and now one share costs like a hundred thousand dollars. And this yeah. happened with Berkshire Hathaway, right? Yeah. Their shares are huge, super expensive. Three hundred thousand plus. Three hundred thousand dollars <laughs> per share. Per, per share. share. <laughs> <laughs> so let's say that I, David Thompson, want to buy some of Berkshire Hathaway. Well, I do not have 300000 today to place into a single stock. I don't uh, think you can buy A-shares, actually. I don't well, think there are any A-shares. You know you the buy. right people. <laughs> if you talk to Warren himself, he might. <laughs> I'm sure he would sell you some of his personal stuff. Yeah. So, but, so let's say that you want to get in. Well, of course, you can't buy these shares. So what they would do is they would create another form of shares, the second class of shares, and they would split it up. So they would say, okay, if you had a share that was worth, and let's let's bring the numbers down from 300,000 because that's massive. But let's say that you had a share that was uh, worth $1,000. And even that was a little bit high for some people to first buy a share. So you split it in half. And you said, okay, originally we had 10 shares, but now we're going to, that were worth $1,000. Each each. So that's $10,000 company valuation. Now we're going to split those 10 shares into 20 shares. You split them and you know, cut them up and you say, hey, at what was 10 is now 20, but those 20 are each worth 500 instead of 1,000. So you cut the value in half, but you double the number of shares. So 20 times 500 is still 10,000. And it's the same as the original 10 shares that were worth 1,000 each, which is 10,000. So what they did is they just made it easier for people to buy the shares yeah. because they made it cheaper and more accessible. And that's what Berkshire Hathaway did. I think they've got shares now that are about $200 yeah. a share. Yeah, the B class are $204 or so today. Yeah. So they split it up in a way that everybody maintained the same equity or value. Uh, you just now own twice as many shares. They're just valued half as much, but it's the same overall equity and capitalization for that company. It's an easier way for people to get access. Yeah, I mean, if you think about, you know, you have a stock that's like a Berkshire Hathaway that's $307,000 per share, and you want to buy it, even if you buy, let's say, $100,000 worth, it's still only one-third of a share. Um, so that seems like one third of a share, like what's the point? So it makes sense that companies continue to split it that way because it does. And I think to a degree, it also, it, obviously if the company is doing well and continues to have profitability, that you're giving more and more people the ability to jump in at a lower rate and actually have more than one stock. The idea of only buying one or two or three stocks just doesn't seem like a great investment choice. Like, okay, so I buy one stock and it goes up 15,000, but can I retire on that? Of course not. But the idea of buying maybe you know, 50 shares at $60 and then having those go up $100 each, 
okay, you see you see the the understanding there is that you're going to get more people coming in because it's at a lower rate, and you have the potential then to 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 go from there. All that we're talking about really is it's about understanding that there are companies that need to succeed in order for us to invest in. When we invest in the market, whether it's through a mutual fund, a 401k, 403b, IRA, whatever whatever the vehicle is, it's really made up of companies. So understanding it at this level is really it's important. Yeah. Otherwise yeah. you're just you're just making a choice based on what? On last year's return? That may not be. In fact, it's probably not a good thing to do because there's no way a company is just going to repeat the performance year after year after year. But if you base it on the fact that Apple's going to be around and they continue to innovate and create products that are life-changing in some ways for many people, then, of course, the company's going to continue to do well. We don't know what the profit is, but they're going to make a profit. They're going to continue to grow in market share and value. So therefore, their stock's going to continue to grow. And so therefore, it's a good investment. So if you're investing in a mutual fund that has Apple, that has Microsoft, that has some of these large tech companies, then obviously that's, that's a good bet. Yeah, but well, it's understanding and, and these it's companies a good at bet. the core level. Uh, but it's a good bet with a long-term perspective sure. because you could you could have bet on all these companies in 1999, mm-hmm. and then by the time 2001 rolls around, you've just cut everything you know in right. half. Right. But if you stayed invested in a mutual fund that had a large number of companies, you would have lost, but then over time it would have regained, and right. you would have recaptured what you lost, and then it would actually doubled over time and doubled over time from there. And so, so part of this is not a get-rich-quick scheme. Mm-hmm. Part of this, and this is what you're going to hear in the news: Hey, buy, buy, buy. This is, you know, Lyft is finally public. Uber's finally public. Uh, Pinterest, you love Pinterest. It's finally public. But realize that that this is made up uh, of a company that has revenue and is making money, mm-hmm. but may also be losing money. They may have revenue where they have money coming in, but they might not have actually ever turned a profit. I remember when Facebook first came out, uh, this is probably 2012, I was looking at it and thinking, they've never turned a profit. Mm-hmm. How could we buy a company like that? Yeah. Like, I just thought it was silly. I was like, that yeah. doesn't make any sense. And I look at something like Lyft now, $911 million that they lost last year. That's mm-hmm. almost a billion dollars that yeah. they lost. That's a lot. But they're also, they're getting money from this initial public offering mm-hmm. so that even though they're losing money, they can stay in business. Yeah. And they're hoping that as they continue, continue to grow the technology, get more people in, they'll end up making money faster than they lose money. And eventually they'll flip a switch and they'll go from losing a billion to earning 500 million to earning a billion to earning 5 billion. And then as that company's profitable, the stock will continue to grow in value and you'll continue to have a good, but you just don't know. You don't know. You don't know what government regulations are coming up. You don't know what natural catastrophes are going to happen. You don't know what new hacking technology is going to be in the world <laughs> when we get to driverless cars. Or maybe there's incredible technology that makes driverless cars a perfect option. And now Lyft has a huge advantage because they already have, you know, a million cars on the road or three million cars on the road using some technology that they can implement easily. Yeah. That's what's kind of fun about this stuff is when you project into the future, you can begin to see things that these inventors and these, uh, you know, I'm, I would say tech geniuses, or these people that are really ahead of the curve and thinking of the future, yeah. they're looking at and already dreaming of, we already have driverless cars on the, on the road now, mm-hmm. but they're looking at a future where, 
you know, 50% of the cars on the road are driverless. And now you don't have to change your oil and you don't have to buy a car for 20, 30 grand every five, 10 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, You don't have to change your tires, run maintenance on your own vehicle. Instead, a driverless vehicle comes and picks you up at your house every morning and drops you off at work. And, and, you know, you want to go to the store, it picks you up. And, and it will, it will, it will go pick somebody else up while you're shopping, take them where they need to go and then come back and pick you up. It's, it doesn't have to be sitting in a parking lot. They can be constantly going. So you get to some of these really, uh, really dense urban areas where mm-hmm. there's not a lot of parking. And all of a sudden, not everybody needs a car to get to work because everybody can just jump in their driverless vehicle and the costs are so low. Maybe insurance goes down in cost because there's less accidents on the road. There's less uh, physical casualties to property and people. I don't I don't know. You yeah. know, this is what's well, interesting. You just yeah, don't know what's going to happen. There's a lot of variables there and a lot of things you could see happening. And with, you know, the whole... Uh, green plan and all this stuff, people obviously are focused yeah. on, I mean, all of us should care about our, our planet. Uh, the, the, our, our carbon footprint has an impact to what degree. There's a debate on all of that. But, but more and more people want us to move from oil and gas to electric, to solar, to all those things. And those are not bad things. Obviously, you can't just make the switch in two, three years. But it will eventually... There, there will be a portion of our electricity, our driving, all that stuff that will come from this innovation that's happening now. So it's a good bet in that sense because yeah. it, it's going to be pursued by one company or multiple companies. So I definitely see a company like Lyft doing well. But again, like any other company, if it doesn't continue to change with the environment and every, all the different things that are coming up, then it'll eventually be phased out by something else. And that's what you don't know, and that's why you don't invest in just one company. That's right. why you don't put right. all of your uh, money into one stock. And going back to what you said earlier, David, about the, you know, if you put everything in there, it's a long-term perspective. And that is so important because I think sometimes we th- we, we see this. We see uh, something like an article say, if you put 5000 into Amazon when it first started back in 96, 97, 98, whenever it was, and now you would have, you know, almost $2 million. The, the thing that almost instinctively comes to mind is, what company can I put in $5,000 so I can have, you know, 2 million 20 years from now? But that's, I think it's wrong thinking because again, it's this get rich quick somewhat mentality where I just want to put in money uh, and then take it out very shortly and then use it. And what we're talking about is a long-term perspective. And that's why it's important to understand what you're getting into, to do the research, do the homework, make sure you understand what you're doing and then don't, don't take risks that you don't need to take, right? You don't have to to take big risks in order to make a lot of money down the road. You can do that much better, and, and there's more data to prove it, that if you have a long-term perspective and you're just consistently putting 10 15% aside and just investing it, diversified it uh, through the market, uh, you'll do much better. Yeah, if you want to hear a really good breakdown of our investment philosophy and some of the things that we recommend, go back to episode 11, 12, and 13, It is extremely useful and valuable for beginning your investment journey. And then into episode 14, where we talk about real estate and really diversifying outside of just stocks and bonds, but into physical real estate and owning your own company. And then these IPOs, they become a tiny slice of the pie. They aren't the whole pie itself. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, we just... 
we love spending time with you guys. We, we say thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us. Uh, if you've enjoyed what we're doing, please rate it and review it. Uh, I would say check out Leo's website because you're going to find more tools and resources there. It's leosabo.com, L-E-O-S-A-B-O, leosabo.com. And look at the tools and resources there. Look at the guides that are on that system. Um, look at all the things that are available. And then go back and look at the episodes that we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, be on the lookout for the Jesus on Money book. You can pre-order it today at stewardshippastors.com and click on Jesus on Money. You'll see it there. And that book is going to go through some of the uh, uh, eternal retirement arrangements. Mm-hmm. And what are some of the things that you're doing today they are going to have an eternal impact and that, you know, if you're faithful with a little, you can be entrusted with more, uh, the importance of not worshiping, uh, money, but instead having a proper perspective of it. That's so good. there are some really important key pieces to this. Uh, these IPOs, these stocks, these companies are fun, but they should never become idols in our lives and they shouldn't become our source. Or even we talked about credit scores last week, it, it the credit score shouldn't be your identity. Right. You know, you shouldn't be like, Oh, I have an 800, therefore I'm better than you. No, that's not where identity <laughs> comes from. That's not no. where our value comes from. So check out the book, Jesus on Money. Pre-order it today through the link on the website, stewardshippastors.com. Uh, check out leosabo.com. And we'd love to have you be a part of the conversation if you reach out to us on social media. Uh, and please hit the subscribe button. That will help the algorithm send more people to the podcast. And if you put five stars on there, people will see that as well. And we look forward to having you join us next time. So together, we, we can, can keep, keep getting, getting money, money right. right. You think about any stock that you want to buy. If you go to that company or if you go to somewhere where you can buy it, they want to sell it to you. So they're going to tell you all the positive things about it, what the uh, potential upside is. But you need to understand the downside. Yeah. And where are you going to get that? Well, you're going to get it from the critics. Mm-hmm.